We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Here we are again, Fachi. Death taxes and the Pacers losing another close one. What what a time right now. I, I, I'm literally speechless with, with how things are going for us, Fachi. Oh, my God. Alex, you would have thought that maybe my, my banking account got robbed of all my money last night because Babe's in the other room. Duarte gets fouled. They don't call it. And I'm just going, no, 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 no. And she's going, what's going on? What, what happened? And I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like, literally, I was a broken man because everybody saw the foul, except for the guys that actually need to call the foul. It's another close one. The Pacers drop it one in seven in games decided by three points or fewer. It, it's really just frustrating because, like, Happened last Wednesday against the Lakers, you know. I mean, this one to me felt like way more of an obvious call. Um, just just a turn of events. Like, Trey Young just fumbles the ball. Brogdon picks it up. You have a nice little fast break here. And, like, no offense, but, like, Kevin Herter is not the greatest defender. So, like, he's trying to go straight up, but clearly he grabbed the jersey. Like, and, and what stinks is you can't go back and challenge those kind of things if it's a non-call. And I think it's, like, if it's under a certain amount of time, you can't challenge it either. I might be wrong on that, but – it's just like, it's so annoying. It's just like, get it right. And what I can't stand the most is like, look at all the tic-tac fouls they call on Duarte all the time. Like, oh, yeah. it's it's absurd. It's absurd. Like, I, I recorded one in slow motion against the Timberwolves where he gets called for a foul where he doesn't even touch the guy. They just called him because he's a rookie. And it's like, I don't understand this unwritten rule from NBA officials like, oh, you know, if you're a rookie, you've got to earn those calls. you got to earn the, the referee's respect. But if you're a, you know, a, even just a three or four year pro, that's considered a top star in the league. You know, somebody looks at you wrong, you're going to be on the free throw line shooting free throws. So it's just, I, I hate the inconsistency that comes with NBA officiating. I know that it's a tough job. There's a lot going on, but still, it, it you just got to, I think, just be fair overall, get the call right and, and move on from that. But like Brogdon said, that's not the reason they lost. They lost because they can't stop anybody. They're, they're terrible, Flashy, on defense sometimes. Yeah, I mean, look, the easy thing is to say the refs cost us that game. No, they cost us that play. Yes, like things could have potentially been different. Pacers down one. Chances are Duarte hits at least one free throw, if not both. But 
you know, the Pacers gave up 38 points in the first quarter. That was a season high. So we're, we, we got to look at that. And that's something that, you know, the Pacers took very seriously. I mean, Rick Carlisle kept everybody waiting for quite some time because they actually rewatched the whole first half before he took the media, um, took questions for media because it was just, he was appalled. I mean, they couldn't stop anyone. Obviously, they gave up seven three-pointers in the first quarter. I mean, oh, what do you – that 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 right there, that first quarter changes a lot. The, the Pacers are are not a good enough team to play catch up, and then all of a sudden just turn things around. I mean, they they were down nine after the first quarter, and what comes down to you know a game that was decided by basically a, a single shot. So look at it huh. that way. That that first half, basically that first quarter, really took them out of it. Yeah. So let's just touch on this real quick because Carlisle was forty five minutes late to his press game, uh, his post game press conference. He's in there, basically just said, yeah, we just watched the first half of film. Like, what? Like, <laughs> as soon as the game's over, you're already going to watch film of the game? Like, that's pretty That's pretty telling to me that they're not happy whatsoever with how this team is closing out, finishing games, and how they're playing. The guys have to be held accountable. I appreciate that Carlisle said that. And, and, and you know, if you want to make a good team better, you've got to hold them accountable. And, and you've got to do some different things. So, I'm hoping once again, this is another kick in the butt. I thought the, the benching of the starters did help with, with the play of the starters, but still there's some holes in their games. There's no doubt about it. I just, I just felt like hearing all that saying they wanted to really get into the practice room and work on some things. And then after this game Friday, they'll have two days off before they play again. So it'll give them some time to get some rest, be at home, sleep in their own beds and get some good practice. I'm just hoping that this is a turning point of the season. Like, this is like this is like the last call for me, like the last straw for me. Like I hear this is, you. This is all I have. Like I'm holding on to this. Like make this the turning point. You got a great advantage against Miami on Friday with no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo. Got to figure out a way to close out that game and get this winning streak started against some of these better teams. If not, I mean, you might as well just punt the season down the road. I mean, we had Scott Agnes on the show just recently, and I I, I mentioned it to him. I said, Do you think when the starters got pulled, that was like a, a wake up call that could really you know make a difference and we hoped it was, just like you said. I hoped when Miles Turner stood up to Rudy Gobert that that was the spark this team needed. That'd be, hey, we just displayed some toughness. Let's go. Let's bomb through this. And it's it's worked for like 24 to 48 hours. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, uh, here we go. I mean, the Pacers have just let up some crippling runs that that just, I mean, the run to, to end the second quarter. It was huge. I mean, the Hawks went on, on, a, on a big run at one point. You know, I think they, they outscored the Pacers. I think it was like 10 nothing. I mean, um, what's his name? Uh, Lou Williams hits, hits like a buzzer beater three. I mean, this was this was something that was just like, man, Carl even said it, that basically in the last two and a half minutes, they got outscored by eight, um, you know, to end the, the first half. And it's just yeah. runs like those that have just been so tough to overcome. And you know what? And there's other things. I mean, we're going to get into it. Justin Holiday, the Iron Man himself. Yeah. Unfortunately, COVID got him. I mean, it's going to be about 10 days for him. And then to make things worse, TJ McConnell with the wrist injury, Alex, we're hearing out, quote, a while. Yeah. I, I put weeks, not months as a reply because that's what we keep hearing for TJ Warren. And that's what they've said since like what, October, September, something like that. So <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But with that being said, TJ McConnell, we made jokes about his his shot. So the first thing that went in my head when I saw that he had a sore wrist or a wrist injury, I thought, well, that could explain why his shot's not been going down. But then I realized I don't really think that has anything to do with it. He might have injured his wrist by shooting the way he shoots. I don't know. But um, definitely someone that you like having on the floor. I, I, I'm kind of over him as a backup point guard. I kind of said that last episode, and I still kind of feel that way. Now, I don't think Brad Wanamaker is the answer, but I, I thought Brad Wanamaker at least looked pretty spry last night in the minutes he was given. So I think, like, kind of similar to Keelan Martin, like, you get him in small doses, you like him a little bit, like, hey, that's not bad. Then you give him a bigger role, and then you're like, yeah, okay, let's go back to that smaller role that you had. Because Keelan Martin, man, like, it was, it's been rough. Like, last night I posted a GIF after he missed that air ball three so terribly. Like, it's he tough. looked like Carlton Banks trying to hit the game winner Ooh. when he steals it from Will. And doesn't yeah. even come close. I mean, that's just what he looks like right now from three-point line. I have zero confidence in him. Like, I've got more confidence that like Goga can come in and knock down a three than Keelan Martin at this point. But, you know, with the injury to with the injury to TJ, Brad Wanamaker got some time. Torrey Craig 
gave it a go at the beginning, but then he was dealing with a sickness. So he was not able to play anymore after the first quarter. So O'Shea Brissett finally got some minutes. And then of course, like you said, without Justin, Jeremy Lamb uh, got some time. And so uh, I felt like Jeremy Lamb, O'Shea and, uh, and Brad Wanamaker played good enough last night, especially during that stretch against the Hawks bench where I wasn't really too, uh, too concerned with it. I thought they played well enough, scored enough points to make you feel like, Hey, um, you know, we still have a chance to win this game. They didn't completely blow it for us. No, they really didn't. And look, like the, the fun, easy thing to do is to just crap all over Brad Wanamaker. But literally, he was not bad last night at all. 16 minutes, he gives you seven points, four assists, no turnovers. He was a plus three. I mean, he shot three of six. So you're like, okay, I mean, hey, you know, unfortunately, it looks like he could be headed towards an expanded role. So hopefully we're not getting too much Wanamaker, but we probably are. Then, then you look at Jeremy Lamb. I mean, look, defensively, we know, yes, he's a liability. Offensively, the man was a bucket last night. I mean, 12 minutes, 11 points, four of eight shooting, five rebounds. I mean, he's shown, and he hit a really big three. Yeah. I mean, got got to give him credit there. I mean, that was a real big three. Uh, I think it was like um, basically it was like close to 40 seconds left in the game, cuts it to a one-point game. I mean, really just uh, – you know, he's hit some big shots in limited opportunities. And I, I feel like for Lamb, like, there, there's always going to be that. I mean, against Milwaukee, he goes over for it. It's like, all right, I don't want to see Jeremy Lamb for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has a good game. It's like, you know what? Take it for what he is. He's not going to he, – he's not paid to play defense. He's a scorer. So, we know that. But O'Shea Brissett, this was a guy that you and I have been like, we need to see more O'Shea. Look, nothing else is going right. Why not? And he gave us good minutes last night. 18 minutes, drops eight points, four rebounds, two steals. He's got a block shot. I mean, those are guys that we kind of needed to see a little bit more of, and they were ready. And it's hard to stay ready, but those guys stayed ready. Yeah, no, I give them, I give them props. Like O'Shea Brissett coming in there. <laughs> not been not been really given a great opportunity, but shoots 50% from the field, eight points, two or three from three, four rebounds. Yeah, I mean, there were some plays where it looked a little sloppy. I, I will give you that. But 18 minutes was great to see. Jeremy Lamb only played 12 minutes at 11 points. So that's that's a guy that I think, while we we can be critical of him overall as a player, still offensively, like you said, he just gives you something. Like, he might honestly be one of the most clutch players on this Pacers team because he so. hits big shots. He just does. Like, if I'm the Pacers, I would probably try to play him a few spot minutes there, but if like I have the opportunity on offense to have the ball, like I kind of want him in the game because he's not afraid of the moment and he's pretty under control. So that is one thing, you know, you need, and he's a good shooter for the most part. So get, get him out there in those kind of situations. Don't overplay him. Don't overexert his role. Just, just give him that minimal role like we've been talking about. But yeah, I, I, I think all in all last night's game, it was just such a weird thing because the paces in the third quarter, you know, they started off, they got off to a, a bad, not a, they didn't get off to a bad start, but it was, like you said, a rough end of that first half. And then coming into the third, it was pretty much like two missed shots by Karis Silver and a terrible turnover, and then they call timeout. And then the Pacers, Rick Carlisle pulls Karis Silver out of the game. He puts uh, puts Jeremy Lamont, I think, or somebody, I can't remember who he put in at this point, but he pulls Levert out, and the Pacers go on like a 19-6 to run. And it was like, wow, what just happened here? Like, what, what's going on with Karis LeVert? And I texted you this yesterday because I felt like I really needed to say it. But Karis LeVert last year under Nate Bjorker in the last month looked like a guy that could be the face of your franchise or a guy that could at least close games out for you. This season, it's been a rough year for him. I know he's dealing with an injury, but right now, it feels like we're looking at a combination of two players that so many fans hate, and that's Tyreek Evans and Monte Ellis. That's not a guy you want to be compared to, but right now, defensively, he's not playing well enough, and offensively, he's streaky. There's great games, and then there's really, really bad games, really bad shooting nights. Like, you know, Monte would do that. Tyreek would do that. So, to me, it looks like we're getting a combination of Monte Ellis and Tyreek Evans with Karis LeVert, and, and clearly that's not the player you want him to be. No, it's not, and honestly, like, Man, I'm getting like Oladipo post-injury vibes where it's just he's just not explosive right now. He's just yeah. not. And I feel like we're seeing these games. Like, I mean, let's go over the last the last two games. Alex, he's six of 26 
from the field. Mm. I, I mean, like, what he sometimes he has some big baskets. He had he had a big basket last night. It was kind of like a prayer, but it, it went in. Um, and I just feel like we're. It reminds me of when Oladipo would would maybe hit a big shot, but like finish the game like four or fourteen, and you're like, all right, well, you know, that was one big shot. And we're starting to find like random games where it looks like. Karras has it. I mean, he had a stretch against Toronto and Milwaukee where he was 8 of 15 from the field, followed up by 9 of 13 from the field. You know, those those were good games. But then there's there's games where you're seeing, you know, the 2 for 7 or the 6 for 21 or 6 for 19. It just feels like that back's got to be acting up. And and I feel like we're, we're probably – I mean, we'd have to really crunch it down. But it seems like on, maybe on back-to-backs and stuff, it, it's probably asking a little too much out of him at times. And – I just don't think he's fully healthy right now. I don't know when he will be healthy. The guy's actually had injuries for that have followed him throughout his career, whatever it is. I yeah, I really like the guy, but you we mentioned it. Big expectations for Karis LeVert coming into the year. This was a guy that was coming off a career year, I thought could be an all-star. You know, he mm-hmm. could be in the running. I mean, averaged nearly 21 points per game last year for the Pacers and the 35 games, but it just feels like this year it, it is it is not gone well, and his usage is way too high. Yeah, he's just been kind of a ball stopper. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's not getting other guys involved. I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's his injury. I don't know if it's just he does not feel comfortable with what he's doing out there. Or he's just going through a bad spell. I mean, I get it. Like, all players go through, like, ups and downs and slumps and that kind of thing. But it's been frustrating, Fachi. I don't really know what to do with him. At this point, I think you just try to sell high on him at some point. Hopefully, he gets playing well, uh, not to the point where you're like, we can't trade him, but like to the point where you're like, okay, he's playing well enough for there's still positive value and try to see what you can get for him because right now he's only got one year left on his deal after this season, and that pretty much means that he's an expiring. His value does diminish. Same with Miles Turner, who will be um, an expiring contract next season. So got to keep that in mind and just kind of figure out which way they go, but I have to ask you real quick before we move on to our next segment. Do you have any hot takes about this team right now? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard for me to roll out a new hot take each episode, but for right now, it'd be that maybe you have to shut Karis LeVert down for a little bit. I don't know if it's maybe for a game or two, but I, I don't think this man's healthy. I think on games where he's really struggling from the field, I think it's throwing off the whole team. And this is something I would not expect to say, you know, because coming into the season, we thought this guy was our key. And now it's maybe like, hey, what if you just, what if you gave him like, I don't know, five straight days off? You might get more of a rejuvenated Karras. Yeah, I mean, he's already had a lot of days off, though. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Like, he's been injured so much. It's just like, ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have any extra hot takes to add. I mean, I, I threw up my TJ McConnell one last episode. But I will say this about the team. This team is like putting together a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle and you get down to that last piece and you can't find it anywhere. You're looking in the box. You're looking on the floor. You're looking everywhere for it. And somehow, some way, you have misplaced that last piece of that 500-piece jigsaw puzzle. And now your puzzle, 99% good, but you're just missing that 1% of that piece that'll just complete the puzzle, right? It's just not completely finished. You can kind of look at it and say, okay, it looks pretty good, but still there's just that one piece missing. And I feel like that is a perfect analogy to explain this Pacers team right now. The net rating indicates this team is better than the record says. And I'm going to do you one better. You got that puzzle made. It's taken up your whole table. Now you're starting to wonder, do I take it apart or or do I – do I try and buy another puzzle and I could, I could maybe put that piece in there a little yeah. bit? Or what, what do I do? And now you're, you're looking at it and, and you're wondering, uh, what am I going to do with all of this? So right. that's where I think we're at right now. As you mentioned, the net rating, everything like that. I mean, it, it shows that this Pacers team should be a winning team, but whatever it is, that missing ingredient, whether it's, it's clutch time. I mean, th- think about this. Alex, not only is this team not getting a basket in clutch time when they need it, they're not getting a stop in clutch time when they need it. And then if they get that stop in clutch time, they're not getting the call from the ref that they need. So it's just like, it's the Pacers versus the world right now. And at that point, we ain't winning that battle. No, definitely not. But all right, Fach, we've rambled enough about this game and just kind of this team once again. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will do our player of the week and our rookie report. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's time for your Setting the Pace Player of the Week. Brought to you by Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. They put their heart and soul into the food. and uh, I would love to eat there every day if I could. Open Thursday through Saturday at 11. Located at Camp Sertoma. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, baby. All good in this head. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. It's smoking good. Brogdon for three. Bird has an eight-point second quarter. Miles, Miles, to tie it, he does! Tied at 106! Warren lays it in, and the foul. And one! Three-day scoring. Sabonis with the throwdown. Here's another three. Towards What an awesome young man! All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to talk about the Setting the Pace Player of the Week. Alex, tell us who we got for last week. This week, Setting the Pace Player of the Week is a six foot five point guard from Virginia in his third year with the Indiana Pacers. Ladies and gentlemen, the Player of the Week is none other than Malcolm Brogdon. Ooh, very good intro over there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon last week. Uh, averaged 17.7 points per game on 40% shooting, 36% from three. To go along with 4.5 rebounds, 5.7 assists, the Pacers went 2-2 two and two in that stretch. Um, you know, Brogdon was someone who, who brought it on a nightly basis, but went with the best game would be against the Los Angeles Lakers, had 28 points and 7 rebounds. Ah, man, it would have been better with a win, but Brogdon did bring it that night. Malcolm Brogdon has been so good for the Pacers this year. I mean, you, you can say what you want. There's been some ups and downs for sure, but he's just been killing it, Foch. I've enjoyed it this year, and, uh, you know, maybe we still need a true point guard, but overall this year, 21 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 6.1 assists. Pretty good numbers. Those are kind of all-star level numbers. I don't know if he'll get it because of the record, but, you know, it, it feels like he's definitely deserving of it to some degree. No, he is. I mean, he's definitely uh... – Man, I wish it could be more of a maybe a consistent type of thing, but I, I also think part of the field goal percentage and all that is being asked to do a bit too much. I mean, I know the people have started to really come up with the stat of, you know, when the Pacers, when Brogdon shoots 20 or more times, the Pacers record, it's fallen to three and nine, but I think that's only a product of having Brogdon have to take that many shots yeah. on a nightly basis because on another team, if he was in that, you know, second to third best player role, I really think you're looking at a much more efficient Malcolm Brogdon, maybe even similar to that 50-40-90 club that he was in uh, in Milwaukee. There's a good possibility that's the case, Fachi. But let's move on now to our Rookie Report. The Rookie Report, brought to you by Pizza King, located at 135 and Fairview Road. Call us at 317-882-0340 to place your order today. Pizza King, a proud sponsor of Setting the Pace. The Rookie Report. Duarte inside scores his first NBA point. Now Duarte, his three is perfect. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Beat him up. Duarte, step back three and hits his third. That's a tough three, too. Now Duarte, another three. Here's a long three. Duarte, got it! Tucker thought he had a lightweight. 
All right, for the rookie report, we are highlighting two rookies from last two, week. That uh, is right. They are back, both of them. And we'll start with Chris Duarte. Uh, last week, he averaged 12 points per game to go along with 2.2 assists, 2.5 rebounds. He shot 36% from the floor, 26% from three. Uh, but guys, his highlight was the 17-point performance against the Lakers in what should have been his crowning moment. It was the game-time three, but it should have been potentially the game-winning free throw against the Lakers in the corner. I know we've beaten it to death, but man, Alex, that would have been Duarte being the hero with a game-winning four-point play against the Lakers. It was impressive. What were your thoughts on Chris Duarte? Chris Duarte has just been impressive, man. I mean, really, getting ejected from the game against Minnesota, like... (laughs) You just saw the passion from him. He's getting fed up with these foul calls and non-foul calls. Don't blame the kid. I mean, he's been out there busting his butt. Great defensive player. Like, you're seeing him guard really the the other team's best player most of the nights when he's out there. Um, he's going to be starting now for a little bit with Justin Holiday out with COVID protocols. So, got to just, you know, give your props to Duarte. The guy's 24 years old and he's looking really fresh, looking like a guy that belongs in the NBA for quite a while. I'm enjoying the growth from him. I, I think that... We're only starting to scratch the surface with how good he can be. And, you know, uh, he's the real deal. Isaiah Jackson, more of a project. And I think that's okay. You know, Pacers went out and got two draft picks. So Isaiah Jackson had some t- nice moments in the G League. Um, had a couple of different times to play for the Pacers in uh, the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's been a, it's, it's been a bit of an experience for him. So he's going to have to get used to the NBA speed and the style and the play and the physicality and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Chris Duarte, man, I mean, you don't see rookies like this just come in and be this impactful, you know, unless they're usually like on a losing team or a top three or four players. So he's done a terrific job in his role, and uh, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Yep. For Isaiah Jackson, he returned to the court last week. He had four points and four rebounds on the week. No, that's not going to blow anyone away, but it is just great to have him back out there and healthy. You know, no crazy stat lines or anything. You mentioned, you know, his play in the G League. He did show, uh, you know, a few a few very impressive games. But great to see the Pacers call him up as it shows that, hey, there's going to be some plans. If there's an opportunity to get him in there, they want him there rather than being in the G League for, you know, say the next month or so. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, Fachi. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do our Fan of the Week right after this. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, now on Setting the Pace, we've got our fan of the week, and we are excited to finally get a face reveal of who Indiana Painters is on Twitter. It's our man Bryce, but unfortunately for you guys, you won't get to see Bryce's face because um, he is he's pulling a little bit of a Wilson from Home Improvement here, hiding behind the fence on Twitter. So uh, if you've not seen that show, I'm sorry, it's a 90s TV show. Great show. But um, Bryce, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You know, hey, anytime we can talk Pacer basketball, it's always better than, you know, talking nah, politics, talking the weather, whatever it is, the good, the bad, we will always be here for it. <laughs> All right, man. So I'm going to get things started off here, Bryce. One of the things we like to do is just try to get to know how people became a fan of the Indiana Pacers. So um, you were sharing a little bit before we got on how you're a fan of IU sports as well and how it's just been kind of a tough year for us in sports and specifically you and the teams you root for. So how did you become a Pacer fan? And, you know, um, what makes you just so excited to see this team play all the time? Uh, That's a great question. Like I honestly like have to pinpoint it to kind of around those Eastern conference, you know, uh, finals runs. Um, I actually watched the first basketball I watched like seriously and enjoyed was um, the Mavs heat finals. Um, and then from there, um, I kind of got into it through a friend of mine. Um, and ever since then, I, I don't know, I just, I, I grew up loving Paul George and, um, Paul George made basketball so exciting for me. And ever since then, I've just been so involved in, you know, the city of Indianapolis and Indiana sports and, and the Pacers just happen to be one of those teams. And I, you know, they're my favorite team of all my 
Indiana sports teams. And, um, you know, it's a tough time right now, but I'm, I'm really excited uh, to keep supporting them in the future. Hey, awesome. You know, the, the Paul George days, it, it brought in a lot of fans. So, you know, you mentioned those Easter Conference Finals teams is probably like a, a really, really exciting time for, for you to become a fan over there. Is there a specific maybe game or moment um, that you've watched cover, like following the team that really sticks out as like, man, when that game happened, that's something I'll never forget. Man, that's, that's such a tough one there. I mean, there's so many good memories from, from, you know, the early, early days of my fandom and, um, even past that, um, obviously the, the, the Birdman dunk, uh, Paul George, that's, I mean, that's a classic Pacers highlight, you know, that everyone thinks about, um, actually one of my, uh, favorite, you know, plays was kind of later. It's like whenever Vic, you know, was hitting all his game winners and, and it was just really exciting. I think, you know, the first game was against the Spurs, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and plus Vic game winners. Yeah. I miss game winners in general, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, apologies for cutting yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, no, but that the Spurs one sticks on my mind. I was like, I was like, whoa, this. I mean, Victor didn't come to play, and like as an IU basketball fan, I was an IU basketball fan before I was a Pacers fan. So, you know, seeing Vic do that, that was just that was just special. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Victor brought some great moments to uh, all of his Pacers fans, especially in that seventeen eighteen season. And going back to that Paul George dunk, I actually got a poster printed off of that, had it hanging up in my room for a while. And I took it to one of the fan jams and I wasn't like, they didn't tell you who was at what table. So I didn't get at Paul's table, but I happened to see some people in line and it was a couple. And I was like, Hey, would you mind seeing if he'd sign this? And uh, they snuck it in there for me and I got him to autograph that. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool moment for me too, just cause you know, Paul George, that dunk was sick, but um, let me ask you more about yourself. So I, I, I want to know, you know, what's going on in your life, uh, anything you want to share. And then also at this point, I'm ready for any of your Pacers hot takes as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am currently a senior at IU um, studying informatics uh, with a focus in music, um, minoring also in some physics. Um, uh, just outside of that, just supporting IU basketball as hard as I can, you know, football was a rough year, but uh, just, you know, supporting uh, IU basketball and Pacers basketball as much as I can. Um, and yeah, a couple a hot take I have, I guess, is maybe it's not even hot. Um, I just feel like I get, I get more and more the feeling that um, we can keep saying, you know, until TJ Warren comes back or into, until this, until that. I feel like it's becoming increasingly more clear that um, this group just cannot play together and cannot fit together well on the court. And sometimes that's just got to be admitted. And we can admit it, but we need the front office to admit it. Um, what would you say maybe this team's lacking like right now? I mean, we talk about close games or whatever it is. It feels like the Pacers are so many times they're one shot away, one play away. But, like, what's this team lacking overall? It's crazy to think about just, like, how close all the games have been. Like, you, you would think that maybe just there's just one thing. But to me, there's just so many things that stick out that they need. Um, I mean – I, the main thing that sticks on my mind is someone that can, can really break down the defense. We've seen Brogdon, you know, kind of be able to get to the rim. Um, but when I mainly when I watched like Karras this year, it just seems like he, he doesn't really, it just seems more and more clear that he doesn't have that like burst, I guess, to get around, get around defenders. Um, um, the defenders are able to stay in front of you know, our players very easily. And it just seems like we don't really have that guy to break down the defense, that quick guy that can get by defenders. That's like, that's the main thing that sticks out to me. Um, you know, obviously perimeter defense is always going to be, going to be key for us to, you know, have someone like TJ Warren. Um, but if he can't stay healthy, then that's always going to be a question for us, I guess. So. Yeah. So who would be one player or two players that you'd be willing to, to dangle out there for the trade block to try to maybe get this team a bit of a shakeup? Well, obviously we can't, you know, uh, this year at least throw out Mal Malcolm Brogdon. And I've loved the way he's played this year. So um, that's not really in my mind. Um, him as an option. Um, obviously, Karras, you know, he, he's shown some flashes in the past. I feel like that could be an intriguing option to some people. Um, so I'd say probably Karras. Um, I think you just kind of have to, that, at that point, choose whichever the big gets you the bigs, gives you the biggest return. Um, it, it, I guess depending on the team and, the, you know, the scheme they'd be going to, uh, depending on, like, the return you'd get. Um, I mean, I've seen, I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the trade uh, offer, like, hypothetical trade offer for uh, so uh, Domas today, uh, that was like Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga, 
Um, I, I, if I'm the Pacers, I'm doing that in a heartbeat, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I think you gotta look at like Harris and, you know, um, one of the bigs, um, you know, Jeremy Lamb could probably be thrown in there too. Come on, pick one of the bigs. Yeah. Which one is it? Okay. I think regardless of how the fit would work, Domas at the end of the day is a two-time all-star, all-star. I think that could yield more return than Miles. Um, although I do think Miles maybe would fit into more teams, I think uh, Domas raises the ceiling of a lot of different teams out there. So I think I, if I were to be getting, you know, the biggest trade, uh, you know, return, I would probably be looking at Domas. Yeah, very valid points. I think more people are going to call for Miles because they're going to need that rim protector who can also, you know, stretch the D, hit threes. But if you're going to do like a, if there's one team that's really in love with with Domas, you're probably going to get more there. You know, the the, the return package for Turner is probably not going to be, you know, where it's not going to excite many people, but there's going to be more people calling for sure. Now, is there a player in mind that you're like, and a realistic player, not, not Damian Lillard or, you know, one of those guys that's not coming, but is there a realistic player that you're like, that's who we might need to go after? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I know Alex loves, loves Moses Moody and I did too before the draft. So, so uh, I, that, that Alex, you'll never live that down, and, it, and it's not—it's not a bad thing at all. But no, man, you were—you were leading that train. I was. Uh, I got—I got burned pretty bad. <laughs> I actually think you—you—you you, you know, you'll—you'll—that'll age pretty well for you. That you want to Moses Moody. I, I still think he'll be a pretty solid player. Okay. Um, I, I loved him too. So, so you're not alone there. Um, obviously, Brandon Ingram is is a is a choice people throw out a lot. I, I like Brandon Ingram. Um, there's something about about Brandon Ingram that just seems like. Maybe I don't want to stay away from him. Not like anything personal with him or anything like that, but yeah. he just. I think, I think maybe he could be one of those guys that maybe puts up a little bit more, you know, statistical numbers on on a, on a poor team. Um, yeah. Type of deal. So I, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just really tough. I, I feel like I feel like I do genuinely feel that that the Warriors have some pretty intriguing young guys that would be intriguing to me. I like Kaminga. Kaminga's, you know, an, an insane athlete, and I think he showed some flashes early on. Even, you know, even though he's not necessarily playing right now, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one you got to go for like a young guy, um, stay away from the, you know the the twenty six year olds again, like we do kind of with like Harris. So, yeah, I, I think that whole fake trade with Golden State, it's it's kind of funny because I just can't envision a team trading three lottery picks for a two time All Star on a losing team, right? I feel like you probably get something similar back to what Orlando got when they traded Vucevic. That's kind of how I view if you if you did trade Sabonis, which, you know, Wendell Carter Jr. was one lottery pick and then some, you know, other picks were included, but it wasn't the actual players, right? So I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what you would get for Domas, but it's a good point that you bring up. Brandon Ingram, those kind of guys, you know, if you're trading for guys that are on losing teams, Really, are they going to raise the ceiling that much? Because Karis LeVert looked really good on a losing Brooklyn team. But, you know, now, I mean, Paces are technically a losing team here right now, but it's just he's been too hot or cold. So uh, that's, kind we, of a, that's kind of a thing that I think, like, was interesting to me in, the, in, that, in that trade package was in the article, they, uh, the, I don't remember who wrote it. Um, they, they had said something like that they thought uh, Sabonis and Draymond would be a good pit, uh, fit together. And I, I kind of, I kind of pushed disagree. back. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like they occupy a lot of the same spaces. I mean, I mean, Draymond's not an, an exceptional shooter. I mean, he can he he's shown some you know in the past, but I mean, he hasn't been you know that great of a shooter since 2016. And and I, I just don't I just don't see a universe where they they work that well together. Um, I mean, obviously, Simone's has helped them help them on the boards, and you know they got exposed in the night, um, kind of in in, in that at the center spot, but. Yeah, um, I don't see that that fit working very well either. So I, I'm not sure Golden State even even thinks about that, considering especially that they had to give up three lottery picks. In, in the right. Yeah, I think I definitely think Miles fits better with Golden State's roster, and they probably wouldn't have to give up as much to get Miles, in my opinion. So yeah. I mean, we talked about that all offseason too. Like it just made a whole lot of sense. Now I don't think they're giving up Andrew Wiggins in the deal. So you're probably talking like Wiseman, Kevin Looney, and Moses Moody for Goga and Miles something along those lines, um, just to make the salaries work. And if you're going to take on Kevin Looney's contract, I already have Wiseman in that trade. It doesn't make sense to keep Goga either. Um, but I was looking at it and now from like a financial side of things and how it could all work out, that was probably like the the most realistic trade that I saw because um, I just – I heard they're not trading Kaminga no matter what, but Kaminga would be an awesome 
fit here for the Pacers. But um, I'm going to flip it back on you now, Bryce. So we've been asking you questions. It's your turn to interview us. So are there any questions you'd like to ask me or Fachi? And I guess if you have one for both of us, ask Fachi first because uh, I don't want to keep hogging the mic here. No, no, I, I actually that's it actually is a perfect transition because I was going to ask you guys, uh, where are you at with Goga? Like, what do you what do you think, you know, his role looks like in the coming years of the Pacers? Do they try to ship him out? Do they just let, you know, this contract ride out until he becomes a free agent? And what is Goga's, you know, even market looks like if he becomes a free agent? I think Goga's stock is, is super low right now. I mean, it, it's not all on him, but it's like it's so hard to find him consistent minutes. And then you think just just the other night. When Miles Turner was out, I thought that was going to be a big opportunity for Goga. He barely even played. I don't think he got in until the second half. So, or played like, you know, one or two minutes in the first half and then played a couple minutes towards the end. But I think at this point, look, they picked up his option for next year. I think that the Pacers probably have it in their heads that, and we've said this a couple of times, that they're probably going to move one of the bigs and at least give Goga an opportunity. Maybe that comes at the trade deadline if things don't go well. But I, I find it hard to believe that Goga is wearing a Pacer uniform next year um, if they're keeping both these bigs. Because at this point, it's like you drafted a center, you know, 18th overall that, you know, had a ton of potential that you never really let him show it. So yeah. at this point, we were told that this guy is a three-point shooter. At this point, he's a career, I think it's like a career 24, 25% three-point shooter. I mean, it, it has not looked good. I think he's a consistent shot blocker, but we've never really just been able to, you know, he's always been like hurt at the wrong time. Like maybe like Miles Turner's out, but then Goga's out, you know, like, like last year. Or Goga can't get his visa right, you know, in preseason. He really needs those reps or something's always happened where I'm just convinced it's, it's not going to work out here. And I think he probably needs a, a new fit elsewhere. But I would love to at least be able to have a stretch where he can start um, for an extended period of time. But don't you kind of feel like then that would come with, with losing at that point, probably? You know, that's more of like a rebuild. Let's see some of the young guys in there type of situation rather than we're playing winning basketball and Goga's logging 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah, I don't think Goga needs to start. I'll just say that. Uh, 25 minutes. Can you find it anywhere? Yeah. I don't think we can. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to make a, a trade with one of the bigs and not bring another big back in return. That would be the key there to getting Goga some time and forcing a little bit the hand of Rick Carlisle to play him a little bit more minutes. But, you know, I think they have a lot of high hopes for Isaiah Jackson as well. And I'm not sure, you know, if they view him more as a four or a five. I think he can be, you know, a guy that plays both positions. But at the end of the day, you just look at it. Goga is a shot blocker. They think Isaiah Jackson can be a shot blocker. Domas is not. So that to me is kind of why I feel like they're still leaning towards moving miles over Domas. One, because it's hard to sell everybody on like, hey, we're going to trade a two-time all-star. And number two, it's just like, look at what they have behind Domas. They have, you know, areas where, you know, Turner is great at. Turner is the best in the league at that. But, you know, the two guys they have behind Domas are guys that really can't do what Domas does. I mean, I think Domas is such a different player. And really, it's just one of those things where Goga, he's, he's never going to get the fair opportunities, I feel like, right now with, uh, with, with the way the roster is constructed. But there's been flashes throughout the season where you're like, okay, Goga made some really nice plays here. Like, Goga really stepped up and look like he could be a competent basketball player. But also there's times where you saw in that Minnesota game, you're like, we got to get Gogo off the floor. We got to get Isaiah off the floor. We got to get Sabonis back in because the team was absolutely dreadful in that game without Domas against Minnesota. So just, you know, the inconsistencies that come with a young big, also just not getting enough playing time is the big problem here. And he's never going to develop unless he's given the reps. So you got to find him some time. But at the same time, you're trying to win, too. So it's just a really incredibly hard balance for the Pacers to develop players while trying to win basketball games. Thankfully, and, and partially why they drafted Chris Duarte over a guy like Moses Moody, because they don't have to worry about developing. He's already developed for the most part. One thing I want to say is I feel like Goga's G League stint in the past was way too too short. You know, he went to the G yeah. League for, for a handful of games, and I remember – really putting up some solid numbers. They called him up and then barely even played him. And I just feel like that could have been really beneficial for his confidence. And it's got to be so hard to be 
on the bench come in and then he plays like three minutes, jacks up like three to four shots, misses him. And then it's like, oh, Goga stinks. But it's like, it's got to be hard to get in that rhythm. And you see him kind of like four shots when he gets in games in garbage time just to try and get him up. But it, it kind of only, you know, maybe it just hurts his confidence. Yeah. So, Bryce, as we uh, sign off here, um, I'm going to ask you one question. And I'll let Fachi follow up with one if he has any more. But my question for you is, um, you know, you told us that you listen to the show faithfully. Uh, I'm just curious, what are some of the things you like about setting the pace? Uh, definitely in the past, I've liked, you know, when you guys had Jay on, and I liked how you brought James on as well. Um, I mean, James is doing a great job so far, and I love hearing from him, getting to know him. Um, I, I love, you know, the fan interaction you guys are doing on Twitter, on here, bring people on. I mean, that's great. The sweep, sweepstakes are giving away, Alex. I mean, that's that's a great thing as well. Um, and I, I, I love I love this, like, you know, the segments you guys are doing. I, I, I really enjoyed the uh, Thanksgiving one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, comparing players that was I mean that was a kind of a fun break from you know kind of the the, the misery we were in the court but um yeah I mean I I love everything you guys are doing and you know I I I can't even tell you guys how much I appreciate letting me you know come on here and and talk to you guys it, it means the world thank you hey absolutely we appreciate you know you and, and everyone else that that has stuck with us throughout all these episodes so you know thank you very much my last question would be Hey, Bryce, it may get ugly out here. I mean, it really may. Are you sticking with it and watching the Pacers through this? Or are you going to be like, you know what? Like, let me know when they can string together a few wins or so. You know the answer. We're watching until the end. There we go. <laughs> That's what I hope to hear. All right, Bryce. Well, I have to do this. I've not done it with one of our fans, but I'm going to do it with you because you've been so kind. Um, you know how we end our show usually. So, mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm going to end our conversation by uh, asking you a question, and you're going to one-up Fachi here and show Fachi how it's done. So uh, if you're excited <laughs> to be on Setting the Pace today, say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Love it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline all right Fachi. well this was a really fun episode i know not a lot to talk about in terms of winning but always great to have a fan of the week on get to know them a little bit better and just kind of hear their thoughts on the team and everything going on so bryce thank you so much for coming on and Fachi, um any any anything that you want to add to today's episode no i mean look it, it's gotten tough i mean this the pacers they, they find a way to pretty much be in every game, but it's just gotten so hard to squeak out wins. And I honestly, I feel like the league's just gotten better because there really are no, no freebie games. I mean, obviously the loss to Detroit stands out as like, we thought that was a freebie game, but at this point, everyone on the schedule is hard. They really are. And nothing's getting easier. So if you don't bring it for four quarters, it's not going to be enough playing three good quarters because we're seeing that on a nightly basis that we're not getting four out of the boys. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I will just say this. I'm, I'm at a loss for words when it comes to trying to make excuses for this team. Now's the time just to go out there and, and play winning basketball. If you want to write this ship, we, we've got a guy in TJ Warren that can hopefully come back, but you, you can't bank on him being your savior. You've got to figure this out with this current roster you're going to have injuries throughout the rest of the season. It's just part of it. Deal with them. You got enough players on this team to help you win games. You got to do it. So got to win collectively. That's how we're built. No more excuses, Fachi. I'm, uh, I'm ready to see this team just kind of get a little bit tougher. You know what I'm saying? Just get tougher, overcome your deficiencies, and, and win this and, and, and right this ship. Get this thing turned around. You know, they say, well, we should have beat that Hawks team. Well, we should have beat that Timberwolves team. We'll do it. Quit telling us what you should have done. Go out there, put it together for 48 minutes, and do the dang thing. I don't know if we need a players-only meeting or whatever it is, some type of wake-up call, but 
something's got to happen. Something really needs to resonate with these guys to say like, yo, let's, you know, not to say literally punch them in the mouth when we get on the court, but they need to hit back. I mean, they really do because other teams are, they're hitting them hard and the Pacers finally, you know, they they find a, a time to wake up and it's too late. It's just enough to make it a close game. And now we're looking at no Justin Holiday, no TJ McConnell moving forward for at least, you know, basically close to two weeks. Could be longer for McConnell. I don't know. Good opportunity for a Shaper set to to get back into the rotation. So I, I really hope that uh, he can make the most of these minutes. Absolutely. So before I let you close it out, I want to give everybody a quick announcement in, in terms of this, the show schedule. So today you heard the rookie report and the player of the week. That is going to be a new normal. We're making Thursday now our weekly show. So if you're listening to this, it's either Thursday or Friday. We'll try to recap the previous week a little bit instead of, you know, doing it on Monday. So we'll recap the previous week up until Friday's games. Do it that way. Do the rookie report this time because our mailbag segment on our Monday weekly show has gotten too big. And we really appreciate that though, because we love the mailbag episode. It's probably our favorite one to record each week. So with us getting at least 20 plus questions per episode, We're going to start breaking that down into a two-part episode. So they won't be an hour to an hour and a half long episodes. They'll be like 30 to 40 minutes at most. And we'll break that down into two parts. So you guys can hopefully, you know, listen to that at a more balanced time and not feel so rushed. And a lot of times when it comes to the mailbag, it's not like a time-sensitive listen. You don't have to listen to it by this certain time. But we know a lot of you guys really enjoy hearing your questions read hearing our thoughts on the team and, and just your questions. So we really appreciate the the feedback. We appreciate, you know, the, the involvement that comes with sending in questions and every week, you know, listening to us talk about this. So thank you so much, but just want to let you know, we're going to break that down into a two-part episode moving forward on Monday. So you'll get two mailbag episodes on Monday, part one, part two. You'll get our Tuesday, Wednesday show, which will be with a guest. we got a guest coming on this upcoming week for that show. And then on Thursdays, It'll just be our fan of the week, our weekly shows. You're going to have all those segments there. So excited to do that, Fachi. But I need to know where the people can find us at on social media. You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. All right, Fachi. So Bryce gave you a little bit of run for your money there, but I think that you have a chance to steal it back here with some extra enthusiasm. Let me hear it, Fachi. If you think the Pacers are going to get a win against the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo list, Miami Heat, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.